Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable and open, receptive to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Three weeks ago we began our journey towards Easter with Jesus resolutely setting out for Jerusalem. Along the way we looked at those parts on Luke's Gospel where Jesus met with or spoke about Samaritans, those people who were outcasts, despised, usually forgotten or ignored by their neighbours. But today Jesus reaches Jerusalem. The journey is at an end. Boys and girls, have you ever been on a a really long journey? Was it in a car or, or did you walk? Why not tell someone you're with just now, I'll give you 10 seconds. We've all been on a journey that seemed to take forever. We we might have done it in a car, which was nice and comfortable though. But for Jesus, the journey has not been so easy. He has walked mile after mile up through the winding sandy hills from lowly Jericho, which is the the lowest town on the face of the earth. But now he reaches the heights of Jerusalem. Jesus has crossed through Judean deserts, climbing steadily uphill, up what feels like a mountain. It has been dusty, hot, because it seldom rains and so it just throws up the dust. This was the way of pilgrims, those journeying to Jerusalem for the annual festival. We know that that Jesus chooses this journey because of what Luke reminds us at the beginning of our reading. That after Jesus had finished teaching, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Jesus leads the way. This is the climax of his story, of his public ministry. And he knew well what lay ahead, yet he still set his face towards it and met it head on. About two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus comes to Bethany and Bethphage and he sends two disciples ahead to get something. Boys and girls, can, can you remember what Jesus asked them to get? Can you remember? It was a donkey, that's right. And had anyone ridden on it before? Can you give me a, a thumbs up for yes or a thumbs down for no? What are you going to pick? No, no one had ridden that donkey. And yet Jesus gets onto it without any problem and carries on his journey. What happens next, boys and girls? Does, does Jesus manage to sneak into the city? No, of course he doesn't. That's not what happens. So what does happen? As Jesus journeys into Jerusalem, the people start to lay down their cloaks on the ground. This would be kind of like taking off my jacket and then putting it at the feet of Jesus for him to walk on and for his donkey to walk on. And that seems really strange to us, but there's a story in the Old Testament where the new king is welcomed into Jerusalem by people doing the same thing. And then in the story of Jesus, we we start to hear something. We start to hear the crowd say something. 
They say things like, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in the heaven and glory in the highest. Do do you think the people were happy or sad? Put your hands up for happy, hands down for sad. What are you going to pick? I think they were happy. They thought Jesus was the king that God had promised to send. And that king would make the world a better place. So they start to sing an old song written in the Psalms. It's a song of victory, a a hymn of praise to the God who establishes his kingdom upon the earth. In all of this, Luke is, is trying to help us see something about Jesus. We're meant to see something through this. We're meant to see that Jesus is the king God promised. But what kind of king do you think Jesus is? The story gives us a number of clues. So why don't we all, adults and children alike, think about that for a moment. You can either think about it on your own or turn to those folks beside you. And don't forget to write it up in our live chat if you want to do that. I'll give you 30 seconds. So what did you come up with? Let me share what I see. I I see a king who has power and authority. And that comes across in a number of ways. In verse 31, the reason to be given for the request of the donkey is that the Lord needs it. God needs it. And that Lord, that God is Jesus. What is more, we know from verse 30 that this animal has never been ridden on before and you'd think it would just throw off Jesus because, after all, he's a lowly carpenter and rabbi. But what do we see? No such thing is recorded. We're we're meant to see that, that Jesus is king of all creation, including what might otherwise be wild and untamable. Now, we remembered earlier that when Jesus came in, the the crowds put down their cloaks and they sang songs of joy. And they did this because they believed Jesus to be king. But Luke especially reminds us in verse 37 that the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Countless miracles, things beyond explanation, things only the promised Messiah, the promised King could do because he came in the name and power of God. It's because Jesus is such a King that even though the the Pharisees object in verse 39, even then Jesus says the praise of the disciples is fitting because otherwise the, the stones would cry out themselves in praise. Such a king is Jesus that he is due praise from even the inanimate parts of creation. I think we're meant to see that that Jesus is king who has 
power and authority. But that's not all we see of Jesus. What else does the passage show? Well, remember, what is he riding? A donkey. Not the, the kind of grand animal you'd expect of a king, but as our opening scripture from Zechariah reminded us, a king who comes riding on a donkey is a king who is humble, lowly. He comes in humility and he comes to serve. And Jesus does this because he cares. We've seen that along the way in his journey. Boys and girls, can you remember who did Jesus care for in his journey that we looked at? What were those people called again? Samaritans, that's right. Jesus cares for people who think they are outcasts. Jesus cares for people who think they are forgotten or insignificant. Jesus cares for all the nations of the world. But we also see that Jesus cares in the final verse we read today. For in verse 41 it said, As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Now Jesus weeps over Jerusalem for a particular reason and we'll get into that more with our Tuesday evening sermon. Yet notice this. Jesus the Lord, the, the one who is God in the flesh, weeps. Surrounded by people who are joyful and, and euphoric, this king weeps. Imagine what the, the disciples must have been thinking and feeling to see their Messiah so upset when, he, when it's meant to be his greatest moment. You know, I wonder if this jumps out for me because of an article I read this week about Christianity and coronavirus. What the writer sought to highlight is, is that rather than coming up for a reason for the suffering we see in our world just now, that maybe it's better to realise that God, that Jesus laments, he cries. The word in, in verse 41 actually means he wails. Now some Christians like to think of God as, as above all that, knowing everything, in charge of everything, calm and unaffected by the troubles in his world. But that's, that's not the picture we get of Jesus in the Bible. Here is King Jesus, full of power and authority, yet vulnerable, honest, caring enough that he cries, he laments for us. And with us. Friends, what do you see of Jesus this Palm Sunday? What do you see of the one who journeyed to Jerusalem for love of you and love of me? In these difficult days, as we maybe hang a, a branching cross upon our front door, what is the Jesus we share with the wider world? I pray that we and our neighbours will know Jesus, yes, as King of Kings, but also as the King who weeps with us and for us. May it be so. Amen.